Welcome to Get Wisdom with your hosts, Carl Mollison and Brian Kelly. Imagine if God was a co-host. What if the historically rare ability to converse with God and get profound answers to questions has been rediscovered? What would God say to today's troubled world? Get Wisdom will share those answers. Now, here is Carl Mollison and Brian Kelly. Welcome to another episode of Get Wisdom. I'm Brian Kelly, along with Get Wisdom founder and director, Carl Mollison. This week, we're going to look at uh, Creator's insights on human stubbornness. I know I'm a stubborn Mick. How about you, Carl? <laughs> well, it depends on who you talk to. But I, I do know some stubborn people in my life. And uh, all along the way, I can look back and think about people who just, you know, were just like a stake in the ground. And you couldn't move them. You couldn't budge them. And they were who they were. And that was that. And I, I like to learn and grow. And I like to think I'm expanding and evolving in a way to to better understanding of things. And that requires the ability to change, even though you've got some strong inner beliefs you've accumulated. So this is the tension, I think, between belief and non-belief and what you do with that and how open you are and all of it. So we're going to get into these issues because they're rather important, it turns out, and understanding how we operate. Absolutely. You ask Creator, can Creator explain the difference between stubbornness and persistence? All right, and this is what Creator said. Stubbornness, like beauty, is in the eye of the beholder. This is a human quandary on both ends of the perception. The individual acting on their current beliefs and another party, perhaps confronting them or challenging them in some way, or wanting to motivate them to take some action, being resisted may cause them to label a person many, many ways with many, many negative labels of all kinds, including just being stubborn. So in a general sense, this is a highly subjective distinction, depending on what is lost or gained by those involved. Indeed, there are many instances where inner beliefs, inner standards of conduct, and perceptions of moral imperatives might make a person quite disinclined to join a movement, to engage in activities being promoted by others and wanting their involvement, when seen as causing harm and simply wanting to bow out. We would regard such a situation as an example of perseverance, sticking to one's true self and their alignment with the divine rather than a stubborn refusal to accept the entreaties of others to join something seen as a kind of folly or worse. Each person must find their truth in how they wish to live, how they deploy their energy, who they might align with and give their loyalty to, and so on. How strictly they stick to those predetermined standards is an aspect of perseverance that can be seen as stubbornness, particularly when it is out of date because circumstances may have changed. Humans are far from perfect because their life journey is not complete. Everyone is a work in progress and everyone grows with depth and richness of character as well as deeper and wiser accumulations of wisdom through life experience to inform the beliefs and the decision-making in response to outside influences. So these are the basic factors in play regarding this discussion. 
the level of sophistication, maturity, and wisdom, as well as overall divine alignment based on the latter and the progress in the soul journey, the sum total of life experience, as well as the karmic underpinnings that predetermine vulnerabilities to inner weakness, manipulation, prejudice, negative thinking, and many other liabilities. You know, I this topic was selected because there's curiosity about the fact that, you know, so many people we know just don't seem to change. You know, they seem to have like the same opinions about everything that they've had for 25 years. <laughs> well, and, and, you know, and it's often some sticking point that seems very simple and very obvious to someone prodding another person who won't give in. And what we just heard is there are a lot of factors in play. Yes. Making up who we are and how we respond to things. It's not a simple matter. It's very complicated. And uh, there's a lot of well-entrenched prior foundation that's been laid. And that's not always visible, but it's down there. It's the, the underpinnings. Yes, and they are most difficult to overcome for sure. You ask, creator, we think of persistence as requiring discipline and commitment against compelling incentives to stop or stand down. Well, we think of stubbornness as an effortless commitment to an action or stance requiring discipline to change. What is Creator's perspective? And Creator tells us, we would say this is the contest between the individual and the collective of persons they interact with and the potential differences in perspectives and beliefs about a circumstance. To be sure, there are people who have quite rigid views and whose first reaction might always to be say to, to be to say no. We would see that as a definite flaw in character that represents a kind of distortion to always expect the worst of change and potential consequences and not being open to new possibilities that could promote growth and add significantly to the life experience. The rigid naysayer closes themselves off from change and this can be protective and represents inner persistence, but it is in effect a kind of prison that locks a person in place and will in the end prevent much growth from taking part in life many times when it can be done with little personal risk and much to be gained to try out new things and interact with people as a compatriot, at least for a time, to gain more awareness of what they might be about and learn whether they truly are inviting participation in something that will further expand their awareness and be a good thing. A stubbornness that refuses to try anything new or different can be quite stultifying and will be quite limiting to the individual. At the other extreme is a person who is prone to throwing caution to the wind, who will be up for anything, willing to try whatever someone suggests. Such individuals have a kind of need for excitement, a sort of thrill-seeking in which novelty is stimulating, even as it might be somewhat stressful. They are like adrenaline junkies who thrive on taking inordinate risks because then they feel really alive. Leaning in that direction is not necessarily wrong or even harmful. Some of the greatest advances in human culture have come from people who will embark on a bold initiative no matter what other th others think. And it is a hallmark of leaders 
to be in the vanguard in this way. In that sense, they are showing a perseverance in their embracing of new thoughts and possibilities and not letting themselves be guided by or constrained by those stubbornly resisting a new initiative. So what needs to be included in the discussion here is the question of flexibility. Many people who are stubborn exhibit that behavior as a consequence of inner rigidity. So everything is a question of balance. Persistence can be stultifying and life-limiting, even though it might be protective. Yeah, it does seem that truly effective leaders, you know, have to be flexible because it's hard to anticipate the future and the obstacles that can arise. And you have to, you have, to have a big tool set in order to, to accomplish these things. But yep, the flexible leaders, it seems like that kind of a person is necessary in order to get the, the stuck-in-the-rut people move even a little bit, you know? Uh, well, the key, the key is having some wisdom to work with Yes, if you want to be that bold innovator. And this is why you, send, you don't send a child to do an adult's work. Right. They don't have the wisdom yet. They haven't had enough life experience. But the, this is a complicated issue, and much depends on it. And the day-to-day dynamics are little thought about. And it's not that we all should go to psychology uh, uh, classes and try to opine the philosophical uh, aspects of human thought and behavior and so on. In this discussion, you know, my fear is it sort of smacks of that. You know, it's kind of a getting down in the weeds, mm-hmm. uh, look at minutia and so on. But these basic ideas and the tensions in play are rather important. And you can go through your whole life without really examining what it's really about and how you are interacting with the opportunities that come your way. So that's what we're trying to do is kind of open this up a little bit for a greater reflection on it. Absolutely. You ask creator, stubbornness is often observed when opposing authority of some kind. We especially see this in children when they resist parents, teachers, and siblings. What is the principal cause of this? All right, and Creator tells us, what you are truly observing in cases like your example of defying authority is bringing to bear oftentimes emotion of some kind. Many times people are reacting to emotion as they go about their lives, and that colors things, and it will influence judgment as well. So there may be a difference between the decisions people make from a state of calm reflection and a state of mind where they are experiencing heightened emotions, feeling pressured, and reacting to the stress. Under such circumstances, stubbornness to resist an influence that part of the self is seeing as a danger can be prudent. But there are certainly many more instances when people who have suffered so from chronic anxiety, and this includes a high percentage, may be too reluctant to embark on something new and will refuse an invitation or ignore guidance or fight against attempts to control or influence them, as is the case with opposing someone in authority. Keep in mind that the young, in particular, have little life experience to guide them. They will be highly influenced by what has happened most recently. 
So if there's been a circumstance where a parent, for example, has punished them or been critical and now wants them to cooperate in some way and makes a perfectly reasonable request for that cooperation, the young person might still be smarting from being hurt in a previous parental encounter. And that emotion will alter their perception of the request and cause them to dig in their heels and say no. Being oppositional is a kind of primitive way of reacting to an attack. The danger in young people in particular is for the resistance to authority becoming an ingrained habit. This is most likely when there has been a major grievance from neglect or ill treatment causing them to form a grudge against the perpetrator even a parent who naturally will assume and act on the belief they deserve respect and expect that of their offspring. Oftentimes, there are distortions on both sides where a parent might be less sensitive than desirable in understanding the feelings of their children and treat them in an arbitrary and demanding way that might well reinforce the inner sense of being threatened and being dominated by the adult parent. This is why there needs to be a good balance in the tone and conduct of parents always to be respectful to their children. In a sense, they deserve the same respect as an adult because their inability to understand and fully appreciate the parent's perspective, lacking as they do in adult experience and wisdom, does not mean they need harsh treatment to always force them to obey. We would say they actually need greater leeway and latitude and understanding on the part of the parents to put themselves in their children's shoes and understand they will have a harder time cooperating because they may well feel things much more keenly than one would expect. And what seems simple and straightforward to the adult might be highly stressful in a dire turn of events to the child. Even having to stop play to attend to a necessary duty or circumstance is highly distressing and is seen daily with infants and young children at bedtime when it seems like the greatest of tragedies being asked to, in effect, stop living, if only for the sleep time. So we like this question because it gives an opportunity to talk about the differing perspectives in many life situations and to teach that there are always opportunities to learn from pausing to consider the perspectives of the other party when there is a disagreement about stubbornness being perceived. This would go a long way to helping people find ways to reach a compromise and to negotiate more effectively with one another about their desires and avoid making snap judgments to characterize and label other people. If done harshly, it not only attacks and wounds them, it may well represent a new obstacle to making any progress towards changing things in the way desired by the attacker, and will be counterproductive. You know, what's interesting is it seems creator in this channeling is saying that stubbornness could be proportional to the amount of stress the person is feeling when confronted with unfamiliar environments and, and information. Yes, um, there, there's always reasons for it, and the you know the devils in the details. <laughs> who is right. running? Who is running the the uh, the operation, and why? And what are the inner beliefs? What are the hurts and wounds that get in the way and slow things down, make people resistant or fearful? Yep. 
But people need encouragement and support oftentimes to gain their understanding and acceptance of even your point of view to consider it. Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting because, you know, stress I sometimes see is like water, you know. Water, you know, finds the lowest spot to settle in, you know. And if, if a person is stressed, they're going to do whatever they can to reduce that stress, you know. And um, if new information or, or challenge to their situation is stressful, that makes sense that they might dig in their heels and be stubborn about it because they don't want to increase their inner stress level. They want to reduce it. Yes. Well, this is the dynamic oftentimes. There's more at stake than people think. They just see someone as being obstinate and implacable, and they think they're just like a rock sitting there, like a lump. But there could be a lot going on. There could be a lot of gears turning furiously to try to process the intrusion on their time and space. And uh, so this is where there needs to be a dialogue more than not. Yes, I I think that there has to be some coaxing and some diplomacy uh, more so than the sledgehammer, for sure. Uh, problem is, is that there's you know free wills involved, and and you know it's not hard to encounter a stubborn person that just shuts down and wasn't doesn't want to talk to you at all. It's like my way or the highway, you know. And it's right. It's really tough to uh, to deal with situations like that, especially it really that's the case if you have a parent-child dynamic. You know, my my father was was pretty stubborn in his ways, and uh, negotiating with him was always a challenge. <laughs> But uh, that's true of a lot of people. Yes. Well, this is a theme, and we see it in our our daily life. We see it reflected in the media and many stories on stage and screen. Well, another theme is we run out of time for this segment, and we'll be right back with more Get Wisdom right after this. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Scientist and inventor Carl Mollison has discovered how a tiny percentage of people throughout history have made direct contact with God. At Get Wisdom, we have a searchable database of the Creator's wisdom and guidance from asking hundreds of probing questions. Get a free download from the Creator, answering the biggest questions people have wondered about. Who are we? Where do we come from? Why are we here? And where are we going? Get a free download explaining how to make prayer work in powerful new ways. We offer divine healing sessions with our comprehensive Lightworker Healing Protocol and train practitioners on how to save and heal humanity. We pierce the veil in channeled interviews with famous departed people now in the light to probe the greatest mysteries. Our weekly webinars feature the Creator's wisdom about solving the burning issues challenging us personally and globally. And we welcome viewer questions. There is no death. There are no secrets. Get enlightened. Visit GetWisdom.com. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. listening to Get Wisdom with Carl Mollison and Brian Kelly. They are here to answer your questions and comments about the program. Send us an email to contact at getwisdom.com. That's contact at getwisdom.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back to the second segment of this week's Get Wisdom. We're looking at Creator's perspective on human stubbornness. You know, Carl, our project is Get Wisdom. And um, 
one of the biggest obstacles, I think, for people to get wisdom is stubbornness. Well, it certainly seems that way to those who think they know it all or they have the high <laughs> ground and, and they have uh, a more lofty vantage point and a deeper appreciation of things and on and on and on. That's why I like going to Creator because we can trust the Creator will have the issues and love for everyone in mind. If we ask a narrow question, it, it has to be answered fairly narrowly. But if we leave it open at all to counter-argument and so on, we'll get that. And it's a more reasoned and dispassionate look at things. It might sound dry when it comes rolling out in elaborate detail and a lot of wordiness. But it's rather important to have that benchmark because we don't do so well left to our own devices, if you haven't <laughs> noticed. I think I've noticed, Carl. <laughs> and, and it's even true of those who are lofty, we think, among us, our, our political leaders, our educators, the medical establishment, and on and on and on. They make mistakes. They get it wrong at times, and they exaggerate. They're they're human, and they intermix their own emotions when they maybe shouldn't, and and so forth. So, so this is getting at the heart of the reasons why those things happen in the dynamics. You ask creator. Perhaps the most stubborn things are the political and religious beliefs of people. Can the creator explain why that is? All right, and Creator says, we would agree that these are often a source of great conflict, even among friends, and is widely discussed about family gatherings, being a kind of minefield where it is best to avoid these subjects altogether. The fact this can happen so readily is, in part, the reflection of prior encounters between people where someone ends up believing the other party to be simply stubborn, and refusing to listen when, in fact, these areas are often quite important personally because they are a kind of touchstone describing, at least in part, who they are and the deeper important aspects of their makeup. This is simply being human because life experience is the creation and expression of new knowledge reacting to the old. Beliefs are the inner hard wiring. Much as a computer has software, sets of instructions describing what will happen when energy is applied, what, may take, what must take place, where that energy has to go, and then what will happen automatically as a result. The software instructions in a computer program are like the beliefs within a person. They will automatically reject religious notions contrary to what they have been taught and then embraced as their own. The same is true with political ideas, ideology, and affiliations. It is all a set of beliefs they have come to accept and incorporate within themselves to varying degrees and with varying strengths. So these, indeed, for important reasons, are often the arena where the issue of stubbornness comes into play. And again, rigid adherence to an ideology not believed by others may well be seen as stubbornness, whereas a fellow believer would see it as perseverance in the face of criticism. 
So such challenges to what are both viewed as many times being sacred arenas of thought and belief are heavily guarded against and will have consequences emotionally. And that ups the ante to engender stiff resistance, often without a logical basis that can be summoned. And that is when you can be sure emotion is in play, more so than just an automatic robot-like lack of having an answer, but not agreeing to outside persuasion. This taps into soul characteristics about loyalty, because both politics and religion are in many ways the formation of a clan or tribe. So the members and believers have an identity in sharing this with others, and this brings in many inner beliefs and instinctual behavior about challenges and perceived threat from outside perspectives. So stubborn resistance to what many would see as a superior argument may well encompass deeper issues of loyalty to one's tribe in the person being challenged. You then see only an absence of a compelling argument. No one likes being cornered and forced to surrender. So contests about politics and religion are the most likely to lead to confrontations, argument, and conflict rather than a meeting of minds and an opportunity for those on both sides of an issue to grow and expand their thinking through a confluence of perspectives that adds something that will create a greater whole rather than a diminishment. You know, this is really fascinating because Creator's really saying something important here about how how tightly integrated people are with their religious perspectives and political outlooks. You know, that a lot of these we acquire as children from our parents and the people they're surrounded by, and we grow up with these perspectives. And we self-identify with them very, very strongly, at least most people do. And uh, it's not an easy task to to question what really amounts to your moorings, you know? <laughs> well, and it goes to the broader issue of having security. Yeah. That, that sense of belonging. You know, if you uh, betray your brethren, your tribe, that puts you at risk. Yes. So the, these things have to be defended, and people will defend their tribe's dogma, their tribe's beliefs and standards and, and uh, religious and political views. That's, that's an interesting outlook because, you know, you pe- we think of tribe, we would think of our friends and family and siblings and stuff, you know. But, but when it comes to ideology, you can have two diverse ideologies within the same family to the point that family doesn't even talk to each other, won't even attending Thanksgiving to give Thanksgiving dinner together anymore. You know? Okay. Well, and I think we're getting at a diagnostic indicator here because I, I was thinking about this, that even in a group of loved ones who really accept one another, as much as they accept people in other groups they might belong to, even there. You can't go to these topics yeah, because it's like touching a third rail and everything will blow up. There's yeah. something wrong with this. There really, really is. And it oh, speaks yeah. to the intolerance from having too strong an emotion about things. And that is peculiar, frankly. Absolutely. Yeah. We'll, we'll explore it some more. You ask, Creator, is it useful to think of bad habits and obsessions as manifestations of stubbornness? This is Creator's words. 
this certainly can be the case, that these are the root cause of stubborn behavior because both bad habits and obsessions are belief-based behaviors. Habits are formed from engaging in certain ways with one's energy, believed at the time to be productive and of value, and when repeated, this is reinforced. So, in a sense, it becomes something happening automatically without prior analysis. This is a tremendous efficiency. So there is much to be gained from creating habits because it streamlines things and allows quick, thorough, and effective action to be taken in many settings. The bad habits, of course, will be a burden and a liability. So this is not a flaw in the system that something that is a benefit can be perverted in some way to become a liability. It simply illustrates the fact that every choice has consequences, so there must be growth, maturity, discernment, and ultimately wisdom being cultivated so that those things becoming habits are watched over and monitored to be sure they continue to serve and are appropriate or need to be dismantled and replaced with something better. So this is an aspect of routine maintenance that is part of the responsibility one has to oversee one's conduct on all levels. Obsessions are an aberration of the mind, often driven by inner emotion, to take on an overarching importance and have the danger of becoming a compulsion to be acted on with no checks and balances. And this can become a major liability when people lose control of themselves and act on an impulse from an obsession about something they cannot let go of that becomes a liability. So it becomes a kind of imprisonment of thought, tying up the circuitry even as life passes them by. When something rises to the level of an obsession, this is an indication that there is a healing need present an unfulfilled desire or vision based on faulty expectations and unrealistic dreams is not only wasteful, but a danger in limiting growth and expansion in realistic and healthy ways. You know, it's interesting because what the creator is saying here is that um, there's, oh, I just lost my train of thought. (laughs) Um, but this idea of uh, bad habits and obsessions being a manifestation of stubbornness. Oh, creator saying that there's nothing wrong with consciousness, the machinery of consciousness itself, there's nothing wrong with that. But it can be neutral, and if it's misused, then it can become a problematic, you know, so that the obsessions can arise out of it, but it's not the problem of the machinery of consciousness, but it actually says it's the problem of faulty expectations and beliefs, unrealistic dreams. Yeah, I mean, there are many analogies I think one could make, you know, owning a Ferrari, you know, it looks nice, it, it gives you a symbol of attainment, luxury and comfort and so on and, and some power, but you can abuse that. You can yeah. run amok in your Ferrari and put you know, lives at risk. That actually reminds me of a story, which is a sad one, in fact. Parents had bought their teenage daughter a Dodge Demon. And if you're not familiar with that, it's a very fast muscle car. So it, it's, it can be dangerous, you know. And they, they, they love their daughter, and they gave her this wonderful present. And five minutes after she got into it, she wrapped, around herself, wrapped herself around a tree with it and died. So, ouch. yeah. Ouch, exactly. But I thought that was right. 
I was right on point with your with your with your point there. Well, too much power can be a negative. Yes, exactly. U.S. creator, we earlier asked about stubbornness when resisting authority. How serious is subconscious stubbornness resisting the authority of the conscious self? All right, and creator tells us we would say that this is a quite serious issue indeed. Much of what governs a person's life is, in effect, chosen and controlled by the subconscious mind. Even what you believe you want consciously is often a dish served up to you by the subconscious for you to savor and partake of, more so than what you prize as intellect and reason. There is certainly an interplay between the levels of the mind, but it is seamless and will not be perceived as such. It is a kind of call and response, where the conscious self seeks information wants to devise a creative answer to a period of uncertainty or to make decisions about differing choices being reviewed and so on. And the subconscious will weigh in, floating ideas up for consideration. The conscious self naively believes it is doing all this work and the rumination and choosing of alternatives to think about and then to pick a winner, so to speak, as a decision to move forward not understanding all the while everything was biased by what the subconscious is bringing up from long-term memory about the facts weighing in that fully define the array of choices. When information is hidden, it will not be considered by the conscious self at all. So what the subconscious self chooses to show the conscious mind is a significant form of inner bias completely unappreciated by science but will have much to do with how a person lives and who they are from day to day in their thoughts and feelings, as well as actions at all levels. What this implies further is that those factors that govern the health and well-being of the subconscious, particularly the deep subconscious, unreachable by the conscious level of the mind and completely separate from oversight and awareness, can become a missed opportunity for growth, inner stability, and the attainment of wisdom and a state of enlightenment perceivable by the conscious self. Many people who are timid and remain on the sidelines in life are the victim of these kinds of inner ruminations and conclusions that life is to be feared and for good reason. But the conscious mind has no clue why they are so anxious and why they feel the way they do and in effect sit on the sidelines rather than take the risks their deep subconscious is so afraid of. But the conscious self is unaware of in terms of the facts of the matter and will be influenced heavily by the severe anxiety the inner conflict creates and will be helpless to override the inner fear and choosing what to many is a stubborn refusal to join the party. You know, this this really gets at what I my own perceptions of the contest that people have with inside of themselves. You know, the subconscious is, is we've learned from this project is trying to, you know, look out for danger and send up signals in the form of intuition, feelings, sometimes stress and anxiety to kind of warn you that, Hey, we're going into a, a dangerous area here, but the subconscious can't always understand the context that you're in. So yeah. that, that, feedback might be inappropriate and so you can end up in this war with your own subconscious you know well we all have a war going on like that all of us exactly 
And then if you're choosing not to combat your own subconscious, but somebody else, a third party comes along and challenges you, then the two of you, your own subconscious and your conscious mind, gang up to reject that outside influence. You know, so sometimes this is where if you're if you are battling your own subconscious, getting an ally in the form of a therapist or a friend that can help you work through some of the logic of these emotions can really be really be helpful, Carl. Well, and we would point to the need for even deeper healing reach. Absolutely. With the divine help we can call on through prayer and through using a tool like the Lightworker Healing Protocol, because it is built around the idea of this segregation of levels of the mind to be able to go in and help the deep subconscious directly yes. with its struggle. And that is unprecedented. That is revolutionary. And I have been told by Creator this will be a breakthrough in human psychology and psychotherapy in, in the coming years because this is completely unappreciated by science but explains most of the struggles we have emotionally in our lives. Yes, and we'll explore more of this about the Lightworker Healing Protocol when we come back with more Get Wisdom next. America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast on TuneIn. Scientist and inventor Carl Mollison has discovered how a tiny percentage of people throughout history have made direct contact with God. At Get Wisdom, we have a searchable database of the Creator's wisdom and guidance from asking hundreds of probing questions. Get a free download from the Creator, answering the biggest questions people have wondered about. Who are we? Where do we come from? Why are we here? And where are we going? Get a free download explaining how to make prayer work in powerful new ways. We offer divine healing sessions with our comprehensive Lightworker Healing Protocol and train practitioners on how to save and heal humanity. We pierce the veil in channeled interviews with famous departed people now in the light to probe the greatest mysteries. Our weekly webinars feature the Creator's wisdom about solving the burning issues challenging us personally and globally. And we welcome viewer questions. There is no death. There are no secrets. Get enlightened. Visit GetWisdom.com. This is the home of the top life coaches, entrepreneurs, and success drivers. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. You're listening to Get Wisdom with Carl Mollison and Brian Kelly. They are here to answer your questions and comments about the program. Send us an email to contact at getwisdom.com. That's contact at getwisdom.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back to the final segment of Get Wisdom. We're looking at Creator's perspective on human stubbornness. We've got a lot of material to cover in this final segment, so we'll get right into it. Carl, you asked Creator, is temptation a form of subconscious stubbornness resisting the will of the conscious mind? All right, and Creator tells us, here again is an example of an interplay between the subconscious and the conscious levels of the mind. Where the conscious self might well have an ongoing awareness and recurring thoughts about wanting to do something tempting, it is the subconscious, for the most part, driving the reoccurrence of such thoughts. 
The conscious mind is more analytical and is very good at ranking things and acting on inner beliefs that help regulate and provide structure governing what the person will tolerate and how cautious and moral and ethical will be their conduct. It is the subconscious and often the deep subconscious that may well harbor strong feelings about certain perceived opportunities and may be willing to throw caution to the wind in order to savor new delights and pleasures in a desperate seeking of something better. Because it is so often mired in worry and concern for safety is that is its imperative. But that does not mean it will not create a strong craving to bend the rules, to have something pleasurable in its existence. So a recurring inner temptation that intrudes on the thoughts and becomes a distraction and potentially an action taken that compromises the person and becomes a time of great regret, for example, an act of infidelity or an act of wrongdoing that is discovered and sets in motion a series of consequences, very unpleasant and painful, become a very high price to pay for indulging one's inner child. Here again are ongoing responsibilities for learning, growth, and the gaining of wisdom to develop discipline, which would be a positive example of something one needs to have to persevere in their day-to-day life. You know, it's interesting that creator basically equates the subconscious, or perhaps even the deep subconscious, with an inner child. You know, in other words, an entity that doesn't have the perspective of the of the conscious mind. Yeah, it's a lack of. Um, advanced intellectual analytical ability and also that that subconscious part is what runs the emotions and triggers emotions to begin with and it uses emotions as a way of communicating so it goes to feelings first emotions first and so it's very reactive and that creates inner tension and volatility and then the, the conscious self is trying to ride herd on all this and can have a hard time. And a lot of people break down. They can't function because they're so anxious. Or yeah. maybe they fly off the handle and their temper is such a liability. They don't even trust themselves. Yeah, yeah. That's quite the conundrum. You ask creator, how much of human stubbornness is a result of native divinely designed attributes of consciousness versus mind control manipulation by the interlopers? Have the interlopers been able to weaponize human stubbornness? Okay, now we're going on the dark side for sure. <laughs> but this, these are things that are a reality in our world, and we, we are forced to reckon with it. It's part of the fabric. Well, this is what Creator says about being manipulated by interlopers. This is an extremely important subject because it describes an ongoing contest of wills between humanity and the interlopers who control you to a large degree and all of society. This is done through subliminal subconscious programming of beliefs as well as emotions. Their systematic programming of their systematic program of divide and conquer is highly effective in fomenting discord at all levels of human society. 
and is a major factor in interpersonal confrontations that grow into long-term adversarial relationships and vendettas, all of which is highly unhealthy and destructive. They drive a wedge between people to create warring factions. So they provide propaganda that reinforces individual prejudices and ramp that up so that emotions will be generated to reinforce not only the correctness of the beliefs, but the imperative they must be defended and acted on in order to not only help the self, but sometimes save the self from what they have been told are great dangers. This is why natural political differences between those who are more free and easy and those who are more disciplined and conservative become huge bones of contention and ideologies that not only seek to sharply define one's own perspective, but often work to distort beliefs about opposite points of view to, in effect, demonize them so they are not only rejected but condemned. And this gives rise to all kinds of severe reactions and responses to political action and even unwillingness to accept people with other political views as friends and colleagues or members of one's own family. It is wholly unnatural and unhealthy to reject people simply for holding differences of opinion. When life is filled with variety and people, by the nature of their soul expression and personality, will naturally gravitate to differing ways of engaging with life and their lifestyles, reflecting those inner characteristics. And although not suitable for many others, are perfectly within their rights to choose because it suits them. What the divide and conquer strategy seeks to do is to carve the beliefs in stone of one's chosen camp and to make an enemy of those who have differing views and to go to war if possible, including resorting to violence if that can be arranged. So this is a campaign of brainwashing and manipulation to cause the greatest demarcation and distortion of thinking they are able to accomplish that will make people go to war with one another. As a consequence of this programming, people will, in effect, demonstrate extreme stubbornness when confronted, even when the views they hold are demonstrably and provably illogical and even inimical to their best interests, let alone unfair to their opponents in the way they are being defended and acted on, and perhaps attempting to be imposed on others and would violate their sovereignty to do so. None of these things are normal, but in today's culture are an everyday occurrence and seem to be normal through familiarity and the repetition by so many people. This is the greatest challenge humanity has to deal with the interlopers who create this inner stubbornness of ideological false beliefs in effect making them slaves to an ideology and warriors in a kind of self-destruction through causing harm to others. This serves no one but the interlopers who seek the diminishment and annihilation of humanity ultimately. Oh boy. Well, I think this is a really a powerful message that, you know, external violent war is the outcome of internal war. You know, the, the war of ideas and the clash of, of thinking. And uh, that obviously can be ramped up and, and weaponized, as, as this answer clearly suggests. And the war is not only with the self and the people around the self, 
but interlopers who don't even belong here. Right. Other kinds of beings, extraterrestrial and dark spirits. And this is all discussed in the scriptures and is um, a huge force dragging down humanity. It's time to wake up. We need some help for this, but help is here. Absolutely. And we're going to look at that help in detail right now. U.S. Creator, how can prayer work and the Lightworker Healing Protocol help to negate or mobilize human stubbornness for the saving and healing of humanity? And Creator tells us the Lightworker Healing Protocol can play a critical role in saving and healing humanity along with prayer, as the two are adjuncts that are mutually reinforcing. Prayer is an entry-level request of the divine to simply assist humans by taking care of some of their needs, some of the liabilities and risks to them they face, and some of the consequences that have already ensued that might need healing. But the ability to directly request divine guidance, support, healing, and protection are the manifest blessings of effective prayer that can help a person have a much better life than the non-believer who will be left to their own devices and cannot be given any divine assistance other than ongoing life support to keep their heart beating. This is not a punishment, but a consequence when a non-believer chooses to cut their lifeline. On the other hand, the believer has a full array of choices to request help, which can be considerable and consequential to preserve life and to bring blessings and alleviate ongoing problems of the sufferer. The most effective way to do so is with an informed series of healing requests that carries within it deep knowledge about all the sources of negativity that can befall a person, and then invoking a deep knowledge of the powerful tools the divine realm has at its disposal to come to the rescue and make a difference. In the absence of such knowledge, the most sincere prayer will fall short in what it can truly achieve, because the divine can only answer a prayer within the boundaries of the state of knowledge and sophistication of the one launching the prayer. If they are in a state of ignorance and unawareness, the divine can only provide token relief. This is simply a matter of energy and action. It is the strong who can summon strength. It is the wise who can summon wisdom to the greatest degree. This is the virtue of embracing a belief in the divine and cultivating one's belief to the fullest possible measure and adopting our wisdom to know thyself and to believe in yourself as well. Most of the things that plague humanity are a consequence of human ignorance and disempowerment done through interlopers manipulating you and through yourselves in choosing to give up on God and to give up on yourselves through feeling that diminishment is real and perhaps deserved and not expecting something more from yourself. All of these are shortcomings that are the result of inner woundings to the being, and this can affect all levels, mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual. The Lightworker Healing Protocol will benefit all levels of the being in the ways most appropriate to help a person move towards a state of inner balance that will be empowering, rejuvenating, and restorative of inner strength and capabilities, all of which raises a person up and will help carry them forward and with all the energy they need to make their life a success 
and to reach their goals without undue stress and suffering that is needless. You can form a powerful team by partnering with the divine. We are always with you and always aware of everything that happens and all of your thoughts and feelings. But we can only participate in your life if we are invited. That is your responsibility to see to. If you ask, we will always, always answer you. Our love for you will never diminish. Whether you can feel the love and call on the love and act on the love and the wisdom it brings are choices for you to make. If you say yes to us, we can say yes to you. Most of the things that plague humanity are a consequence of human ignorance. That's the sentence that Creator just provided in this channeling. And there's two things, you know, obviously to overcome human ignorance means being open to new information, new experiences, but the inner resistance is not necessarily easy to break down with just outward looking. You need help from like the Lightworker Healing Protocol and prayer work to get divine intervention to really help heal that inner resistance. And that's what this is all about. Well, how many people are really even praying every day? Yeah, not many. For guidance. <laughs> yeah, guidance, support, healing, and protection. I mean, th- this this is desperately needed by all of us, whether we realize it or not. And most people are being duped and misguided and misdirected and dumbed down and dimmed down and addicted to their screens and they don't think much about much of anything and just yeah. sort of roll along very complacent unperturbed even though they might not like something it just then they move on to something else and forget about it all and don't think there's anything they can do that's well, a big, big mistake there's a lot you can do absolutely because it's not a level playing field you know we desperately need to reach out to a higher power because it's not much of a contest otherwise we really need the help Yeah, well, there are dark forces that have us in their grip, and they toy with us, but it can get worse than that if we let it. So that's why we're here, to help awaken and inspire people to return to the divine. It doesn't cost you anything, and it will help your life in so many, many ways. Absolutely. Get the information on the Lightworker Healing Protocol at getwisdom.com slash LHP. That's getwisdom.com slash LHP. We are out of time once again. Thanks, everybody. Appreciate it. Be well. Thank you for listening today. Please tune in next Friday for another edition of Get Wisdom with Carl Mollison and Brian Kelly. They'll be here at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We wish you a beautiful week. 